This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5, 105.1, KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri, your total sports station. You can also join us online at KTGR.com. Thank you for doing that. And on the KTGR app, Sandy Humphrey, Brendan Schaefer, and producer Chris. Brendan in sunny Florida for Cardinal Spring Training. It's nice, boys. It's nice down here. I got to be honest with you. I mean, we're not complaining too much because it's actually nice here, too, oh, in mid-Missouri. Like, I it's, told it's you. It's pretty good. Listen, if you want the weather report, I can give it to you. The next three weeks or so, it's going to be really nice in mid-Missouri. And then about three or four days into March, it's going to start snowing. All right? Just be ready because oh, every year. do that. Come listen, on. when I come back from spring trading, it's like clockwork. The weather is nice while I'm gone. So it's like, oh, I could have just stayed and enjoyed Nice weather. And then when I get back, it starts to snow and be cold again. So just be ready for that. About March 4th or so, it's going to be going to get cold again. Just so you we're know. not going to manifest that. Uh, I'm just telling you what's happening. Gonna, uh, yeah, uh, Brendan can say that on his own. We're going we're gonna to think happy thoughts uh, here in mid-Missouri. Uh, and we're going to talk good, bad, and ugly from the Super Bowl. It's our final NFL good, bad, and ugly of the season. So we'll send it off here in a, a few minutes before going into the offseason for the NFL. And we'll also look forward to a, a lot of baseball talk with the injury expert Will Carroll at 425. And we'll talk some Cardinals at, uh, at 525. Is it fair to project them as the NL Central favorites, as a lot of those uh, different uh, sites have projected their record to be compared to other NL Central teams? They appear to be at the top, even though last year wasn't their year. We're going to talk about it at 525. And the Royals unveiled new stadium plans today. The location, what it'll look like, what it could mean for uh, for the Royals going forward. We'll talk about that at 545, get our thoughts on it. I'm sure Chris has thoughts. Uh, 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us, you can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big Deal. Chief Super Bowl Parade will be tomorrow as they venture through downtown KC. The team did get back into town yesterday. Patrick Mahomes, of course, spent today in uh, Disneyland, as per usual. But the Chiefs getting set for their Super Bowl Parade. In back-to-back seasons, they get to celebrate a Super Bowl win. And yesterday, or today it was uh, announced that this weekend's Super Bowl was the most watched television event ever, according to Nielsen. Averaged 123.4 million viewers. It broke last year's Super Bowl record by about 8 million viewers. And so the Chiefs get that mantle to uh, talk about as well. The Royals unveiled stadium plans today in the Crossroads District. The uh, the uh, renderings show that the stadium will be located right near the T-Mobile Center. There's even a bridge attaching the two buildings there. A lot more to discuss on that, 545. That's the Big Show's big deal on this 13th day of February 2024. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. But let's finally wrap up the Super Bowl season in the Wild Wild West. 
Out in the desert of all places. It's very fitting. Super Bowl, good, bad, and ugly. Call or text us with yours at 875-KTGR. You can also go to our Facebook page and comment there, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. I have to I have to say, start of the game was ugly, right? First half? I think the whole first ugly. half yeah. we should call ugly. Ugly. Yeah. Ugly football. Can't hang on to uh, uh, to the football most of the time. There were, I mean, there were several lost fumbles, but even more fumbles on top of that. Just guys could not hang on to the ball. It was kind of weird. Yeah, both lead running backs uh, lost a fumble. The Chiefs had another muffed punt that they were able to fall on, but it was just kind of a sloppy game, and neither offenses could really get going. And, yeah, it's okay to credit defense at times, but, man, when the, there's just no rhythm to the game, it started out pretty poor like if we ended up with a similar second half we'd be kind of comparing it to that uh, Patriots Rams Super Bowl from a few years ago just an overall ugly game uh, fortunately it picked up Andy but the first half was pretty brutal yeah yeah it, it eventually picked up which is why I then say look the, the game itself one of the better finishes to a Super Bowl that we have seen in the last 10 years remember we were wondering what kind of Super Bowl we would get yeah. Compared to some of those other games that we've seen in the last decade, I, I think this one cut out its own little niche there. Better game than last year's Super Bowl? Question oh, mark? Wow. Debate at 505, perhaps? Maybe so. Yeah, I think it's an interesting comparison because yeah. they were both compelling games, but uh, maybe, in, maybe in different ways. But just the quality of the game overall, I know it was kind of a tale of two parts, but good. I mean, great. In terms of the the overall quality, I, I know we put the first half in the bad, but I'm happy to put if we're just going to label the whole game as one thing, uh, it's more than good. It was great, uh, just so compelling in the second half and overtime. Eight seven five K to GR. If you want to call or text us here on the show, Patrick Mahomes. I mean. He was looking kind of bad at first. It was. Right? He would have been bad. First half, bad. I'll call him bad. But again, if we're going to... Interception to start the second half, right? Yeah, that like, wasn't good just, either, was it? Yeah, it was not even... It wasn't looking like one of those types of games for Patrick Mahomes. Then all of a sudden, he finds everyone. Doesn't just find Travis Kelsey, but he finds Rice. He finds MVS. He finds uh, Noah Gray. He finds Nicole Hardman. What, what the heck? There was no in-between. It's like he went from bad, 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 really bad, bad, to great, great, perfect all-timer. I mean, he was he flipped a switch at some point. It'd be fun to go back and look and, and see if we can diagnose exactly the moment. But from, you know, the fourth quarter and into overtime, he was exceptional. Just doing everything right, spreading the ball around, um, being the GOAT. I mean, that's that's just GOAT behavior by Patrick Mahomes after the start he had. To think that he could do both of those things within the same game and have the adjustments to come back from the way it started where he kind of looked like he didn't trust his eyes. He didn't trust his instincts in that first half. Andy, I, the triple pumps and hold on to the ball too long and having intentional groundings happen as a result and just different things that it just didn't look right for him. But game's four quarters in overtime if you can force it that long and he was able to rebound in a splendid way to uh, to definitely be in the good Super Bowl MVP. So I should say, yeah, he was good. He was he was definitely in the good. And Travis Kelsey, kind of the exact same thing. 
where he had a catch for a yard in the first half and then eight catches for 92 in the second half, and you just knew that that combination had to work. And I think you can credit Fred Warner for kind of helping lock it because he didn't even have targets in the first half. It wasn't like they were trying to throw it to Kelsey and they were you know, not connecting. They just they couldn't even throw it his direction. He wasn't open. Yeah, I, Steve Wilkes, I think, that he got kind of sour towards the end, right? Because he gave he up the, the started very strong. Yeah. I thought overall pretty good from Steve Wilkes to, to do that to the Chiefs for the the vast majority of the game, held him to a, a single touchdown in regulation. I thought it was good from Steve Wilkes. But the adjustments that the Chiefs are able to make, they can counter you. Yes. And that's what, I mean, that's why Spags goes in the good. Uh, Andy Reid, for the adjustments, again, goes in the good. They had the coaching advantage absolutely in the second half, and obviously over time we'll, we'll get to Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure, uh, rehashing a bit of yesterday's conversation. But, yeah, the, the coaching for the Kansas City Chiefs largely was very, very good, Andy. I had some nitpicks, some things I didn't like, but largely it was very, very good. 875-KTGR, call or text us with your good, bad, and ugly from the Super Bowl. Brad here on the KTGR hotline. Brad, what you got? Okay, guys. Brendan, I'm going to take it easy on you. Uh, listen, I'm just glad your outlandish take the other day didn't hold uh, any weight. And, oh, Mizzou uh, basketball. Now we can, yeah, yeah we, can, we can root for Mizzou now to get their first SEC win. Um, like you guys are talking about, it's just kind of like a flip of the switch. I don't know if something was said at halftime. Um, you kind of pretend that, uh, you know, Mahomes and the, and the captains of the team got together and said, hey, wake up. But the whole offense looked like they were still stuck in Kansas City someplace and hadn't even shown up. And, uh, you, you know, they just definitely flipped the switch. The defense played great. And my, I got the next morning, um, I heard on um, uh, all over ESPN, you know, they are calling it a dynasty now. So it's no longer a question. It's, they're, they're claiming it as a dynasty. And so I think that is amazing. And I'm just glad that we all can see it with our own eyeballs and it's in our lifetime. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Brad, here on the Big Show KTGR. There's no question about that. It, count on one hand the number of teams that have done what the Chiefs have done so far, win three titles in five years, and they and they went to another Super Bowl, and they didn't miss the AFC Championship game that entire span. Like That is rare air. It's the Chiefs the Chiefs are a dynasty. My argument is that they have an opportunity to become the dynasty. Yes. That's the con- that's the next iteration of this conversation 100%. And Andy, I guess yeah, I should have been more kind of disappointed yesterday on the show with uh, you know, my most important game of the weekend, the Zoo basketball as as Brad alluded to from, oh, yeah. from last week it didn't go our way. No. Um, so that was, you know, that was unfortunate, but uh, you know, consolation prize Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I guess we'll take it. No, it, it's a good pick me up at the end of the at the end of the weekend after he had to suffer through that on Saturday night with Missouri yeah. losing by uh, twenty four points at yeah. home <laughs> yep. to, to Mississippi State. Yep, yep. The, I'll call that bad. I don't know that's if we bad. Can, I don't know if that's part of this, but I'll, I will make it part. You know of what? This and it, say it, bad. I guess it, we can make it part of it because it's the final one eight seven five KTGR. Uh, Super Bowl, good, bad, and ugly. Tell them to us uh, here on the big show at 413. Yeah, let's go back to Kyle Shanahan in overtime. And look, it's ugly that the that the team didn't know. I Here's the thing. I believe Kyle Shanahan knew. I'm not 
doubting that. Right. But the team but not knowing is, is bad. The communication was yes. clearly not on the level of the Chiefs who were practicing the scenario in training camp. Yes. I mean, that is... That disparity, that juxtaposition just tells you everything you need to know. And again, I mentioned it yesterday, but when we have these narratives about certain coaches or certain quarterbacks over the course of time and say, oh, he can't win the big one, sometimes that gets painted unfairly, Andy. And again, you mentioned it yesterday. Shani is in his mid-40s. Whether he can get one here in San Francisco where he has to move on eventually, a la Andy Reid, we'll have to wait and see. But like... That is a narrative that's now at least based in some reality because we could point to something and say the level of preparation was not suitable to win a Super Bowl for Kyle Shanahan on Sunday. They could have won it despite that, but they didn't, and it ended up being kind of glaring in the fact that they lost it, and that's a storyline. So I don't think it's even an unfair narrative until he disproves it. There are characteristics about this coach where you would say, yeah, I don't know if I can trust him to win the big one. Because he had a chance to do it, and little things like that, details, got away from him. I think he's a great coach, but that's that's not a good look, Andy. No, the, like you can't you can't have that uh, be out in the open as far as what your team didn't didn't know on that. So just the fact that you're not able to get on the same page as the Chiefs did, which look, Chiefs obviously, I I'm not at all surprised that they had talked about that as early as they did because not only is is Andy Reid one of the one of the best ever and runs a tight ship of course but they're also part of the reason why the world changed in the first place because that that Chiefs Bills game was the exact right. thing that made the NFL say oh yeah maybe we should let both teams touch the ball no matter what in, it worked uh, though right the rule, overtime game. don't you think the rule worked the rule it, worked i mean yes. that was great compelling overtime yes. Um, it lasted the whole overtime period and could have gone even longer if yeah. the Chiefs get stopped and decide to kick it. But I think the rule ends up being a really positive change for the playoffs. Don't yes. know how often we'll see it. It took two years or whatever to see it, but I think it's a great. I think it's a great change they made. Well, and again, I'd love to see it in practice again and again uh, with with two different teams, right? To- you know who I want to see it with. Oh, I need don't. Dan Campbell to be involved oh, in, no. a, in a playoff oh, overtime no. because you know it's you know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to do. He wants to take all, the ball. He's probably going to take the ball. Yeah. Secondly, he's going for two if he scores a touchdown, <laughs> even touching the ball first. Yeah. And he's going for every fourth down, which, again, if you take the ball first, I think is right, especially if you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Expect your defense. You know, Yeah, we love our defense. Patrick Mahomes is going to score a touchdown against you. Like That has to be part of the mindset. You can't just assume you're going to hold him to a field goal. Um I think that was a bit of an error in judgment by Shanahan as well, but I totally agree with you. That's a minute detail compared to, hey, the players didn't know the rule. That's a, right. that's a more glaring issue. Yeah, that's the issue. I, I would love to see it in practice by two completely different teams that match up want? differently. Dan Campbell and who? Dan who, Campbell who and be... Mike McCarthy. That's what I want to see. <laughs> dude. That's dude, what next, I want. Next year, NFC Championship. Please <laughs> give me overtime between those two coaches. How uh, funny would that be? Cowboys aren't making it that far. Let's I was going to say, that could be the first round. Yeah, first round, I, something like that. Yeah. Nope, that's, I'll own that one. That's on me, boys. <laughs> 875-KTGR. Good, bad, and ugly from uh, from the Super Bowl. Tell us your good, bad, and ugly. Hey, Chris, are you are you wanting to, to hop in here? I mean, you guys pretty much touched on everything that I was thinking of. Yeah, the Chiefs' offense was kind of ugly. I just think the front seven for the Niners did really good at just 
getting that pressure, really dramatically shortening the amount of time Mahomes had to like make plays. Dudes weren't getting open, and that was really the difference maker, I think. Both you know the defenses, time. I thought, really good. Like, Overall, yeah. both defenses go in the good. But again, you have to partition it out. Fred Warner, great in the first half, helped to shut down uh, Travis Kelsey. Joey Bosa was a freak until the end when he kind of came up a little bit short on a couple of those opportunities to, to impact the throws of Patrick Mahomes. Chris Jones was a game wrecker. I don't even know if he, I don't remember if he even had a sack, Andy. He might have had one. But Chris Jones was constantly in Brock Purdy's face. I, and like, I've heard some commentary on different shows, national, local, whatever the case might be. I've heard some commentary that Brock Purdy didn't play well. I don't agree with that. I think he, I, I put him in the good. I wouldn't put him in the great. He didn't win the game and didn't really do anything special toward the end when they probably needed to see more from him. But I was okay with the Niners kind of letting McCaffrey run some of those late drives. It was working, right? They had to end up settling for field goals. You don't want to see that. But Brock Purdy, I, I came away extremely impressed again with his ability to make those micro adjustments in the pocket and avoid the interceptions. Like Mahomes threw a pick in this game. Brock Purdy, though, man, he was clean. And he didn't take sacks. I mean, I thought he played really well. He just isn't Mahomes, right? Very nobody yeah. is. So, it, but I, I'm not looking at Brock Purdy going. Yep, see, we knew it. He couldn't win the. No, I don't think that. I think the Niners are going to be okay with Purdy. I think he's a top, I don't, twelve to fifteen quarterback in the NFL. But he's not Mahomes because nobody is. No, and that's the standard that he had to be held to in this game. And so, it was fair or unfair, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I agree with you. He can be this team's leader at the quarterback position. I don't have any concerns, really. About but where it gets difficult, Andy, and I know we're not a San Francisco-based show, but I love talking about these teams that are so good, but we diagnose, like, why haven't they been able to get over the hump? The scary part for the 49ers is when they have to pay Brock Purdy, does he does he have that it factor to be able to, with a lesser cast, because inevitably he's going to make $45 million a year, and they're not going to be able to afford everybody else as part of this team. With a lesser cast and crew, will he then be able to make it happen? Or are we looking at like one more year where the Niners better do it next year or they might not have the same ability to take to, to have it have it in this kind of era slash window of Niners football? That would be my question. Could be very interesting. I the going rate for quarterbacks is obviously ridiculous, so it just might be something that the Niners have to do. They do, and the right? cap will go yeah. up. Like the cap right. will yeah. go up and exactly. up and up. But it's right. like, for if you're passable, you're making forty million dollars yeah. or more. And he's better than passable. He's not great, I don't think, but he's he's a top half quarterback for sure in the in the NFL, and that's worth forty to forty five million as we sit here today. And so a year or two down the road, what will it be? That's going to be tricky to see how they build the roster. Uh, around him, but that's why I like where the Chiefs are, man. They always continue to. Mahomes is going to restructure his deal and and find ways to to add, and they're going to probably pick up a nice receiver either in the draft or for agency. I I'm not that worried about where the Chiefs go from here. Um, and I the, the one guy I want to mention, I think the, the cornerbacks for the Chiefs in particular played really well. Outside of Legarius Sneed, the the penalty, we would be talking about that a lot more if. They had lost the game. Yep. The same thing, I think it was McDuffie that had the bad holding call um, deep within San Francisco's. Uh, they, they're back against the, the end zone a little bit there on a third and long. Well, 
he might have been open if he doesn't. What hold I'm going to rail on is the fact that on third and thirteen, a five yard defensive hold creates hey, an automatic you know first down. I thought of like, you. Come when that on. Happened. I thought of you because I thought that's oh, what I'm Andy, talking about. This that's is the Andy's exact move. situation that I am talking about right there. But to play devil's advocate, if he doesn't hold him and they, the the receiver breaks in, it's probably a 15 or 20 yard play. Sure. Right? So, so don't make it a five yard penalty. Yeah. Make it a 10. Make it okay. more punitive if you're going to say, oh, they would have gotten a first down if this doesn't happen. But the fact that you're calling it five yards, but then giving them the automatic first down, like that's a disparity. You decide what whether you want. Yeah. Are you serious about the foul or not? Like that's what I want to get cleared up. Good. I think that's fair. Yeah. And then it would have been what, like third and three, they would have had an opportunity and that yeah. would have been that would have seemed fair. I I, I could get on board with that. Pick exactly. it's gotta be one or the other. It can't be a thirteen yard penalty or a five yard penalty. Exactly. Yeah. It's gotta be something closer than that. Okay. That's I'm I'm, I'm starting saying. to get on board with it. That's a great example to, yeah. to kind of get me on your side. Eight seven five KTGR, give us a call or a text. I'm gonna get this changed eventually. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna happen. Uh, NFL's gonna listen to me. Once I don't a, know if once I don't know if they're day. gonna listen to you, but you never know. Can I ask one question that I don't even know if this fits with good, bad, or ugly, but I didn't get to bring it up yesterday, and I've asked a lot of people about it because it's it's very interesting to me. But I was harping on Twitter, which you guys both know. I'm very much like an in-the-moment tweeter. What I tweet on one play could look ridiculous the next play, but I'll own it. I'll own it when it happens. I know it it looks bad sometimes, but it's just I enjoy putting my thoughts out there and then being able to go back and reflect. When the Chiefs don't call a timeout with like two minutes, 35 seconds to go in the fourth, they let it run down to the two-minute warning. Do you like that decision? I was saying saying call timeout. I would say call timeout. See, I think so too because, yes, they had an extra timeout, and then when Mahomes on the following drive scrambled and they're in field goal range and they they used the timeout with like 35 seconds to go, and they had one left at that point, which was a nice luxury to have. However, you would have gotten to use the two-minute warning as a timeout during your offensive drive, and there would be so much more time on the clock. Game might not have gone to overtime, in my opinion. With the way Mahomes was going, once he gets a defense on its heels and he's just picking random receivers to dot for 10 to 15 yards per play, there's almost nothing the defense could do. I know he had enough time, but they did actually run out of time in the end. And so I think if they had a little bit more as a result of maybe using that timeout at 2.30, Brock Purdy throws an incompletion. You have an extra, like, you know, 30 seconds and essentially still a timeout on the two-minute warning. That was my take in the moment, but, you know, I was curious to see how you might have thought about that. So I I thought it worked out in the end because you also don't want to give the ball back to the Niners if you're tying it with a field goal. So maybe you think, if Mah- if I give Mahomes 153, it, I'm fine. Like you in, in a yeah. couple timeouts, like in two timeouts, right? It's it's not a concern whatsoever. I, I can I can deal with losing the two minute warning and the extra thirty five seconds, but I don't know. I mean, at the same time, what what did them in in the end? In that sense, the fact the reason why they ran out of time at the end was because of that Mahomes scramble where he only got four yards. The second, uh, one. Ta- yeah, the yeah. second one where he just. It, you have to get a first down there. Like the execution was first what, down, but it came or down. Probably to. just get rid of it, right? right. Just yes. get rid of it and save the yeah. time. I agree with that. Yeah. So that is what that is why they ran out of time. Yeah, but I was with you. Call the timeout there because whether you call it or not, on either side of the two minute warning wasn't going to change whether or not. And you if the they ball throw there. an incompletion, you that's when you gain and you get the time. And that's exactly yeah. what happens. So that's one more six seconds left. Do you think they had time for one more play? Or no. you like that they kicked no. it? I like that they kicked it. From the 11, 
Like, you saw the way it played out the first time. Kelsey took four seconds to get 11 yards. And you have to barely got there. Yeah. Yeah. I think from the 11, that's more yards than you think. Yeah. Like, if it was from the five or the eight, even, I'm like, yeah, yeah, run one. Yeah. Run a slant. Yep. But because they had a timeout, they could have burned if it was in the field of play. I agree, though. With from the 11, it was like, eh, this is a Super Bowl. (laughs) You don't want to lose a Super Bowl like this on a flu. No, definitely not. 875 KTGR. Call or text us with your good, bad, and ugly. And again, you can comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. But I should point out that there is a clear winner on our Facebook page right now for the good, bad, and ugly. Matt Y was at the game, and he's uh, posting all these photos uh, of him and his family. It took uh, his two oldest kids along. There's a photo of him and Matt Nagy taking a selfie together. Uh, Nagy's on the field, and he's got the family, you know, behind the railing there. That's really cool. Took a photo of Jay-Z and his kids. Wow. Had a a view right on the goal line, the Chiefs' uh, end zone, which I think was where the final play was. I don't know for sure. He posted a video of one of the plays. I can't remember which one. It wasn't the last play. But I want to say that was the side of the field where the, the game ended. I'm not entirely certain. But kudos, Matt. That's something you'll never forget right there. You ever want to go to a Super Bowl, Andy? Is that something that you have on your bucket list? It's tough because it it looked a lot of fun. Vegas. I I want to go to Super Bowl week. A Vegas Vegas. Super Bowl sounds fantastic. I had a lot of fun. Don't know about all the people all in one place there and all the traffic and all that, but maybe I can deal with it. I don't know. I I, never thought I'd want to do a Super Bowl because I always like watching on TV. It's a great experience at home. But, man, I'll tell you what, it looked like a fun week in Vegas. I had a little bit yeah. of FOMO, not going to lie. Oh, yeah, it, it looked awesome over there. And congrats to Matt for uh, scoring those great seats and that great week, man. And congrats to Matt Nagy with the, the, the Super Bowl scholarship, man. It's, he just picks up a ring. He's on scholarship, <laughs> on. baby. Andy Reid takes uh, care of everything for that offense. Yeah, He's on scholarship, bro. That's got to be be a good gig. That's, uh, that's a nice one to come back to, isn't it, Matt Nagy? 875-KTGR. Call or text us with your good, bad, and ugly from the Super Bowl weekend. And we'll uh, get some more of your thoughts here on our uh, text line, 875-KTGR. But up next, we will ask Will Carroll, the injury expert, about that uh, Drake Greenlaw injury. Unfortunate for him that he had to miss most of that game and the Achilles injury that he he now has to deal with. But we're going to turn our attention to spring training and baseball season, as we love to do with the injury expert, Will Carroll. So that's next here on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Back here on The Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app. Andy Humphrey here. It is once again once again time to chat with the injury expert, Will Carroll. You can find him on Twitter at Injury Expert and subscribe now to his newsletter, underthenife.substack.com. And now's a great time to subscribe with Major League Baseball getting oh so closer with spring training starting and uh, everything that you can learn about injuries uh, as the baseball season starts, you can find with Will Carroll's uh, Under the Knife newsletter. But uh, the Super Bowl uh, didn't feature a ton of major injury concerns, but certainly a very uh, an unfortunate one for the 49ers with Dre Greenlaw, one of their top linebackers, as he was celebrating a, a big special teams play and ready to come back out on the field. 
he ends up uh, tearing his Achilles. Uh, and so just uh, it, it seemed a little bit fluky there, Will, with how it, uh, how it happened in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's certainly unfortunate for Drake Greenlaw. What do you kind of see with that situation? Yeah, there's two instances in there. The first one, it was, it was just a fluke. He took an odd step. He sort of did a drop step before, uh, you know, sprinting out on the field, and it gave way. We don't know if there had been problems before. There were no reports of it. Um, but sometimes one step is the straw that broke the camel's back. It, it, it's it's going to happen. It happened on grass. You can't fault anything. They didn't even say the grass was slippery this year. So it's just one of those things that happens. It just happened to be on the most watched TV event of all time. Uh, The other is that everybody to a man was like, oh, it's unfortunate. Ruptured his Achilles. He'll be back for for, uh, week one and just accepted it. And and it stunned me that somehow what was a career-ending injury not terribly long ago is now almost routine. When Tony Romo just says, he'll be back, everybody thinks he'll be back. And and what was, you know, once uh, literally ended careers is now barely a bump in the road. He won't miss a game. It's very, uh, it's kind of crazy how far we've come with that. But yeah, it seems like Drake Greenlaw should be able uh, to recover for for next season. And then, of course, uh, with the 49ers uh, throughout the game, uh, there were injury concerns uh, a little bit about George Kittle coming in, but we all knew he was going to play. Uh, I wonder if it was just, you know, with the fact that he had such a down game, more so due to the fact that the Chiefs defensively just knew how to lock in on him, or if the injury was maybe nagging him in a game like this, Will? You know, I haven't gone back and watched the the game film-wise, but it's one of those things where I didn't see that he was at any deficit. You know, same with McCaffrey. He was banged up, has been all year. This is why we don't pay running backs that much, because they just get worn down. Watch Isaiah Pacheco, so good. That guy's not going to have a 10-year career. It's just not going to happen in the NFL. Um, enjoy him while you got him. I, I think with both Kittle and McCaffrey, uh, it was just the Chiefs defense. The defense is just so good, and I'll be very curious to see how they uh, hold it all together. Will Carroll, the injury expert, with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So that kind of wraps up a lot of the uh, the, the NFL uh, things for for now, at least. Maybe we'll talk more uh, combine and draft uh, once that gets closer. But I uh, want to switch to baseball, Will. With, two weeks, man. I know. I guess, <laughs> I guess combine isn't all that far off. How does this happen, Will? I don't know how it happens, but the, the calendar gets scrunched together whenever we're talking about yeah. the NFL. We're never going to not stop talking about it. Um, I mean, just incredible but let's talk baseball because uh the the cardinals come in as uh i mean if you look at some of these projections it's not going to take much to win the central this year and even though they were near the bottom last season you you talk about what they added to the rotation and and where that could leave them throughout the course of the season uh, projected to still be among the top teams in the nl central but do you think that holds up over time uh and particularly when they try to figure out how the rotation shapes up it, I, you know, I think they know how the rotation shapes up. There might be some questions at the back end of it. There is no depth at all. If one of these guys goes down, uh, there, there's no plan B. This is hoping that Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, who have been relatively durable over the course of their career, Sonny Gray, up and down, um, it's just all got to work. And if it doesn't, then it's not going to be a good year in St. Louis. But Chicago's down. They haven't signed much of anybody except in Managa. 
Um, you know, Craig Council is going to have to rebuild that team a little bit. The Brewers are obviously a little bit down, having traded away Corbin Burns and losing their their longtime manager. The Reds, I'm curious about the Reds because I said last year, if you squint it a little bit, you can see them as contenders, and they were for a little bit. They were never far out of it, but all those young players. Do they take a step up? Do they take a step back? Is this a consolidation year? Uh, the Reds really intrigue me. And, of course, the Pirates, they're going to be the Pirates. Yeah, most years you can uh, pretty much bank on that. So uh, the Cardinals could still find themselves in, in good shape in the end as long as they uh, can have some uh, guys hold up in their rotation. Uh, I wonder, though, we have seen uh, the free agent market pick up a little bit towards the end of this uh, off season as teams get uh, into their spring training facilities. But for guys that are even you know still out there, who do you think can maybe still make an impact on a team uh, even though they don't have uh, – uh, anybody to sign with just yet uh, all of them i mean the boris four uh are all impact players blake snell drops into any rotation as if not the number one then a very solid number two uh you know cody bellinger uh he's been a good player most of his career mvp level kind of guy and he's on side matt chapman you would think on most teams maybe not the cardinals uh, he would help them and, and isn't going to be, you know, break the bank expensive, you wouldn't think. And yet here we are. Camps are opening and none of these guys have signed. And, and I, you know, everybody's blaming Boris, which is the easy thing to do. But the fact is, teams just aren't signing people. Uh, the Mariners were thought to be Blake Snell's uh, preferred place. He's from Seattle. He went to the University of Washington. And they just don't have the money. Uh, they they don't know what's happening with their TV money, and that makes it tough. Uh, same with Cleveland. Uh, we, we just don't know what's going to happen there. Plus, they have the number one pick, and that's going to be fairly intriguing uh, when we get around to that. Uh, these guys are just out there, and the baseball economic climate is not great uh, if you're a top-tier guy. Uh, if you're the elite guy, you know, things are good for Otani or Yamamoto uh, next year. It's going to be great to be Pete Alonso. But if you're one of those secondary guys, not so good. Not uh, not right now, for sure. Well, Carol, the injury expert with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Uh, as we're talking right now, Will, it seems the Royals are, uh, it, the reports are out about their stadium plans, about where it's going to be uh, located in, in that crossroads district there. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the, this has been an ongoing conversation for the last year or so of what the Royals are are going to end up doing, doing with their new stadium talks and uh, how they paid Bobby Witt Jr. all that money last year. <laughs> week yeah. and and now the, they unveil the plans about the stadium of course there's a vote coming up about funding for for that for the, the county money and everything like that but just uh, how do you kind of uh, view this situation with the royals as they're trying to maybe spend to be a winner they were a little busy in free agency earlier this offseason of course committing to bobby witt and now uh, with the stadium plans coming out yeah i think with with witt it's interesting i'll talk about that in a second the stadium i hope it's good I hope it's good. You know, I don't think public money for stadiums is a great deal, but it's table stakes. You know, at this stage, they put the city over a barrel. Nobody wants to lose a team, especially a team with a history like the Royals. Um, Kansas City's lost a team before. Uh, so some people remember what that's like. Uh, so it's one of those situations where I, I just hope they, they do something good. 
and that it's going to last and be as nice as, as Kauffman Stadium has been. I mean, that's a great one. Uh, you know, the iconic fountains, things like that. I, I just want somebody to do something that's not uh, a boring, populous-looking uh, stadium. We haven't had a great stadium in quite a while, and, and I think uh, we're due for it. And Kansas City deserves something like that because, you know, Kansas City's had a rough go of it on the field. Uh, they've got a new ownership. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is involved. You've got the two biggest, or maybe, you know, if Taylor Swift is living there, then it's the three. Uh, but uh, Mahomes and Kelsey show that this is not a small market. Uh, you know, if you win, that city will come out for you and, and national deals will come out. I don't know what pop star Bobby Witt has to start dating, uh, but uh, he should think about it because it certainly seems to help. I guess it doesn't hurt. I, I don't know if there are too many bad things about that, but, uh, you know, Bobby Witt, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, if there's a future of that for him. Uh, it seems that Shohei Otani's just fine, Will. I know he's not pitching this year, yeah. uh, but it seems the early returns with how he's looked hitting uh, uh, in the box so far, in batting practice, everything like that, I, I suppose with with the half of Shohei Otani that we're fascinated by as the hitter, even with his rehab in, in the pitching departments, the hitting, it seems that it won't take too much of a drop. Yeah. This is the interesting thing to me is that, you know, things are going so well. I mean, his second swing went about 400 feet, uh, went halfway to Scottsdale. He just looks perfect. He, He looks like he didn't undergo surgery. That makes me wonder. Yeah, the Dodgers are still shorthanded uh, when it comes to pitching. You know, Kershaw is not going to pitch until midseason. Dustin May is out. Gonsolin's out. Uh, they picked up Glasnow and Yamamoto, yes, but they're 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 five deep, but only ish. So if they get towards the playoffs and guys are running out of innings, like young guys like Bobby Miller, the show we start thinking about it. You know, he's rehabbing. They're saying he's not going to pitch this year. But we know this guy. We've seen how he kind of calls his own shots. How, you know, for a lot of people, they call it controlling. For him, they call it about his comfort. If he says, I want to go in there and strike this guy out like I did Mike Trout, is Dave Roberts really going to say no? I think it's going to matter how his rehab goes because we've got a long way. I don't think we're going to see him until August or September at the earliest. But I'm not saying there's a zero chance that he's going to pitch this year. Well, that could be very interesting if the if the Dodgers find themselves in that situation and if Shohei Otani does, it might have to be something to to monitor going forward. Well, what's new at Under the Knife? Getting ready to talk about Otani and uh, all these Dodgers injuries and guys coming back like Walker Bueller. Uh, leading off tomorrow is going to be Justin Dominguez, the uh, Yankees slugger, who's going to be half part of the year because the Yankees won't be flexible, and I think that's going to hurt them. Probably so. So go check that out, underthenife.substack.com. With baseball starting, that's a great time to go and subscribe to Will Carroll's newsletter. You can uh, find the link at his Twitter page as well, underthenife.substack.com, and at Injury Expert on Twitter. Thanks, Will, for coming on the big show, KTGR. Hope all is well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, all boys. Big show's on at 444, KTGR and KTGR.com. So it's... It's about to get started, and of course, spring training, uh, very, it's underway now. The games will get underway uh, next weekend, but the players, and particularly Cardinals players, don't seem to be happy about the threads that they're wearing for uh, for this season. We're going to get to it. And under this the is going to be bad. Yeah. It's going to be bad. Under the bus to that next. 
You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. It's time to go under the bus on The Big Show. And so are these really the jerseys that Major League Baseball is going to roll out this year? I mean, it, it seems that Jeff Jones, uh, the Cardinals beat writer for the Belleville News Democrat, unveiled Miles Michaelis' jersey, and it doesn't look good. It looks, in fact, kind of bad. Not just kind of bad. I mean, it's <laughs> pathetically bad. Yeah. Uh, I was not in the Cardinal Clubhouse today because I drove through the night, took a little nappy this morning when I got down here. So tomorrow I'll get to lay eyes on the jerseys for the first time. But uh, I was texting with Jeff, and he said that they look worse in person than the picture would indicate. So well, That's uh, not a good I, I don't know all. how that's even possible, because if you saw the picture, it looks it looks like something you'd get from one of those illegal knockoff websites that make jerseys, and you want to get them for cheap, and so you buy one. It's worse than that. I mean, this is, this is what they're going to wear on the field. Ugh. Check it out. It's all over yeah, Twitter. Today yeah, Jeff, Jeff, yeah, we'll retweet it at KTGR Big Show. Je- Jeff is also saying on here, players are pretty unhappy. Miles Michaelis says they also don't fit right. Pants are no longer as customized. And the fabric is a very different consistency. The fabric so, looks cheap in the photo. Yeah. Like, it looks like a cheaper... Ironed on. Uh, it just It's just bad, man. So, whoever is more responsible for this, I don't know who it is, Fanatics or Nike, whoever it is. both. Yeah, just both. they're they're both under the bus. Cause this is you can't have this in Major League Baseball. Under the bus, gotta have higher standards than this. And again, we'll retweet at KTGR Big Show. You be the judge, but this looks very bad. Under the bus, to Kevin Demoff is out saying dumb things today. This guy the, sucks the so bad. Rams president, whoever he is, says Spags should be a head coach again. You should get another chance to be a head coach. I just which agree. is fine. Hey, yeah. if, listen, first of all, Chiefs fans, you hope to keep Spags forever because he's great. Yeah. It's fine to say Spags should get another chance as a head coach. Everything Demoff said after that, it just falls on deaf ears for me when you consider that he basically said, oh, it was just a, a impossible situation for a coach to win in when he was in St. Louis, and he no really kidding. deserves another crack at it. Yeah, that was a, a, an ownership that... Before you know, when Spax comes in, right in that time frame, when he's when Kroenke is uh, taking over, decided to just not sign any good players for like a six-year period, so that they could justify the move to Los Angeles. I cannot stand Kevin Demoff. He's one of the worst people to walk the face of this earth. Um, so he's under the bus every day. But today, in particular, when he spouts off on Twitter, um, the replies were pretty good, though. So if you want to check out some of that, it could be some good entertainment for you on this afternoon. Under the bus. The the content just keeps on coming whenever he opens his mouth. And under the bus to George Klavkov, who is about to no longer be the Pac-12 commissioner. Why? Uh, John Wilner. What do you do? John Wilner reporting this, uh, (laughs) that the Pac-12 is starting the process of separating from George Klavkov. And to be quite honest, I thought it already happened. Like, we all know that this is going to be just a shadow conference for a couple of years with Washington State and Oregon State being the only members. I mean, and it's all because of him, almost. I mean, 
he's obviously the the most to blame. The schools probably also way to take the crown off of Larry too. Scott's head, Andy. Larry Scott. Okay, yeah, you're right. He's Larry Scott also. He yes, walks. Well. Leo Kopp could blame. run, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. That's Thank you, good. Chris, for pointing that out. That but, man, Klyovkov, was born on third. He was born halfway to home from in between third base and home. Yeah, it's, you know. But, but again. Home being the death of the Pac-12. Yeah. News that yeah. I thought already had happened right. today. Under the bus. There's reports coming out that it's going to happen soon. And um, so yeah. all this time, has he, like, been going to work? Like, going into his office, just like, what does he do? I don't know. There's two teams. There's two teams in your conference. Good job. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and if you need a last-minute gift idea, nothing better than chocolate-covered strawberries from the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia. They make them fresh this season, and you can get them on Valentine's Day. So... Put that in your mind, but make sure you get them before they're gone at the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia, online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Congrats to Lauren Krings, the Mizzou softball, named the D1 softball pitcher of the week by uh, by that publication, and boy, did she deserve it. 3-0 and record in three complete game victories and 20 strikeouts in 19 innings. Had an ERA under 1.5. It was... An excellent first weekend for the senior righty, Lauren Krings. And Larissa Anderson on our show yesterday talking about how valuable she was and how she, it, Larissa Anderson went out to the circle several times and said, look, I, I'm going to have to take you out at some point. And she's like, no, no, this is my game. How about that? It's pretty good. It's a dog it's to have, Lauren Krings. It's great to have a pitcher like that, that you can, you just know what you're going to get each and every time she goes out there, yeah. Andy. Mizzou softball, I mean, they got a chance to be pretty special this year if they yeah. can keep on this trajectory, no doubt. Great start to the to the season with a 5-0 and weekend in Clearwater, Florida. When's the season opener, out of curiosity? When's the season opener? Because I, I need it like right now. I need it, it was, like tomorrow. The season opener was for Mizzou home softball? Opener. Home opener. Oh, the home, home opener. opener. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you get it. It, it actually is not Listen, until conference it, play. But, the season uh, doesn't start till that starts, baby. Yeah, they actually have a bunch of non-conference games away from the Mizzou softball stadium, and I think their first home game actually is in conference. Uh, that's how the schedule worked out this year. But, but the way that the Thunderdome is going to be built, baseball and oh. softball will be able to use it. I've got I've got renderings. I'm like the Royals. I've got renderings. <laughs> You've got baby. renderings. Oh man, I don't know if we need to see those renderings, but we have seen the Royals renderings for what their new stadium could look like. We'll talk about that at five forty-five, and more KC sports talk. If you're the Chiefs, are you more satisfied by winning this year's Super Bowl as opposed to last year? We're talking about that next year on The Big Show.